In this short cast, Dr. Raylin Forsyth describes her work, the remarkable journey of one female individual with ornithine transcarbamylase deficiency diagnosed post-mortem, published in January 2023. We really wanted to report this case because throughout her life, she really saw the evolution of the diagnosis and management of urea cycle defects. She was actually one of the subjects of initial case reports describing the treatment of urea cycle defects. And that's where a lot of the historical data from this case report was obtained. But her story really starts shortly after her birth in 1961. Remember, that's about 30 years after the urea cycle was described by Sir Hans Krebs, but about 10 years prior to when the clinical deficiencies were described. She presented with nonspecific vomiting and lethargy while on milk-based formula and continued to have similar presentations in her early childhood that resolved with IV fluids, but did lead to some neurological sequelae and intellectual disabilities that remained throughout her life. It wasn't until she was around 12 that an ammonia was first checked and found to be elevated and it actually then worsened when she was given protein. So she had a protein challenge, if you will, which is something we wouldn't typically do today for diagnostic purposes, given our other avenues to pursue those things. So her ammonia rose after protein and really suggested this deficiency in the urea cycle. And so for diagnostic purposes then, she had a liver biopsy that showed decreased CPS1 enzyme activity, but normal OTC enzyme activity. So she was treated as CPS1 deficiency, and throughout her life after this diagnosis was made, she contributed to the development of therapies for urea cycle defects, including the development of aminol and other oral ammonia scavengers. And she was very well controlled, metabolically speaking, with those scavengers and a protein-restricted diet with only a few admissions to the hospital for hyperaminemia, usually in the setting of some dietary indiscretions and or intercurrent illnesses. Now she did have that chronic neurological devastation from her early crises in childhood. She ultimately succumbed to respiratory failure due to COVID-19 infection. And what was remarkable here is that she had normal ammonia levels throughout that really significant infection was interesting about that presentation was that she presented with such profound hypothermia. And we suspect that there was some protective effect of that hypothermia that she presented with in the beginnings of that illness. Experts in the field of urea cycle defects have done some feasibility studies looking at hypothermia in newborns with hyperaminemia, just due to the neuroprotective effects that we know hypothermia can provide. But maybe this hypothermia also decreases metabolic demand and can be protective in that way. So after her death, actually, is when we got her molecular testing results that showed that she was affected by OTC deficiency and not CPS1 deficiency. She has a novel mutation that only she harbors. And so as you would expect, it would impact the recurrence risk in this family. And so it was an important diagnosis to make after her death. And she did have a brother who wasn't affected and confirmed molecularly to have normal OTC sequence. So it's really fitting, I think, that she continued to prompt our critical thinking about urea cycle defects, even in the events around her death and and afterwards. 
So I would really just like to thank the co-authors of this case report and my mentors who are on it, who took care of this patient for most of her life. And most importantly, thank her and her family for teaching generations of geneticists about urea cycle defects. So if you'd like to read our case report, please visit the JIMD Reports webpage or click the link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening.